everyone. This is Cindy Lara, and I'm here with Lucas. <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> Lucas. I already messed up your name because I was thinking about um, how to pronounce your last name. Muller, right? That is exactly right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's episode 85 of the Utah Royals FC show. Kind of a cool draft special. Um, the NWSL college draft just happened a few hours ago, and so we're going to talk about that and what's going on and yeah kind of just a cool way to kind of just recap what was going on and some news and all that fun stuff but first off important things lucas how are you i'm doing really well um spent a lot of the day focusing the draft and i gotta say it was it was a lot of fun how are you doing good yeah uh super super like like you, I'm doing great, and obviously, it was like multitasking with like doing my job and then following the draft, which um, it was it was kind of exciting. I think this was the first year where I was actually really paying attention because I really wanted to see what Utah would do. Um, you know, because it seemed like this was the first year that they were actually taking it seriously, right? Yeah, I mean for sure. Yeah. Uh, it seems like they really traded. They, not, it seems like they did trade away picks early on, um, especially to get to get press to the team. Um, and this season, they were certainly fighting for more picks, higher picks, um, and so it seemed like they they really went in uh, yeah. with a clear understanding. They wanted to get some like more than serviceable players. Like they wanted to get players that can integrate with the team and probably do so pretty quickly. Yeah. And that was actually something um, I think the Tribune did a draft or they 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 did an interview with Stephanie Lee, the general manager of Utah Royals FC. And that was one thing she mentioned that um, they wanted players who could make an immediate impact, you know, not just bench players, not just players who could, you know, come and try out. They wanted players they could sign and probably on the long term. And that's kind of what you want to see. Uh from this, from a college draft, we've seen it so much the past previous years. I mean, you th- think about players like um, Emily Sonnet and Andy Sullivan. Like uh, those, t- those those players really were impact players. You know, um, I'm trying to think who was last year. Do you the number one pick last year? Yeah, I just can't think of it. I'm sure it'll come to me. Uh, but, you know, you you essentially, you want the college draft to be exciting. You want these young, up-and-coming players who are not only, like, were really good on their in their college, but they're, some of them are, you know, making a name or a picture. Oh, it was Tierna Davidson. There yep. we go. Um, who are even just up-and-coming in the, you know, for the U.S. soccer national team. So, it... And I think you said it that if it's like MLS, who pays attention? I don't. Yeah. I I can't remember the last time I paid attention to an MLS draft. Can you? No, I mean, well, I mean, I pay a little bit of attention every year, but it's something that is pretty inconsequential. Um, a lot of that is because good teams have good academies, and so the draft in MLS is a little bit irrelevant and probably something they should either do away with or turn into like the USL draft. But 
and the NWSL, it's super important. And that first round is all pretty quality players. For sure. So you know you're going to see, you know, the top 10 college players mm-hmm. in the NWSL. I mean, some obviously are not eligible or just didn't declare or just didn't enter or want to opt for Europe, which is totally fine. But um, it's really exciting to see, like, a Sophia Smith and um, – be the number one pick and she's super excited to, to join the NWSL. And, um, so yeah, I, I thought it was exciting and I think you mentioned how it is relevant. And then somebody else I read on Twitter, I I believe it was John D Holleran was like, you know, at some point the draft may become irrelevant, but right now it's exciting Mm -hmm. and we look forward to it. And so we might as well enjoy it. And so, because the previous two years, Utah, you know, Laura Har- Harvey style wasn't really invested in the draft. I think she drafted fairly well, um, especially yeah. last year. Last year was both were third round picks uh, for Michelle McMahon and uh, Madeline Nolf. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think McMahon was a great pickup. We didn't, haven't seen much from Nolf, but you know, still around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Maimon was was like a huge, a good grab. And I think last year, 2018 was just a really, unless they were like a known, very well-known player, 2018 was really rough on rookies because you had two teams who folded. Rosters were kind of minimized, you know, like roster didn't change. Last year, rosters changed a little bit. They expanded. Um, And so it was a little bit friendlier towards those draftees from 2019 and so um and as more teams are added especially with next year with the louisville team and then potentially as everyone's expecting sacramento like we've heard that before (laughs) we have heard that before so yeah it's it's cool and exciting and like i said i was just really wondering and excited to see what utah would do and so yeah Let's let's get right down to it, shall we? Yeah. Um, all right. So Utah Royals FC had the number eighth pick in the NWSL in the first round, and they actually traded to get that number eighth pick. They traded to the Chicago Red Stars in exchange for allocation money, and it was the very first time that allocation money was introduced this off season. I'm sorry, it was the first time that it was used since it was introduced this offseason. So um, I believe I read Utah gave up $60,000. Yeah, that's what I've seen reported too. I don't think it was really made public, but it was sort of a, um, you know, a uh, like sources report type mm-hmm. situation. Right. So that's what the sources say. And so, which I think that's, uh, I mean, to me, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard to gauge the value of allocation money in the NWSL because it's the first season mm-hmm. with it. Um, and so, you know, in MLS, that would be a, a steal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's that's a good chunk of change um, off the seller cap in this league. So mm-hmm. I guess we kind of have to wait and see. It, it is makes me feel a little bit better that other teams traded – or you know, were reported to have traded more in allocation money than the 
top. I'm trying to find yeah. the list. Um, struggling to find that thing. For the draft picks? For, like, um, the allocation money. Okay, so this is what, yeah, this is what I saw. Portland to Chicago um, for the number two pick for 70000 in allocation. Orlando to Chicago for the number three for twenty uh, twenty five thousand. I think that was also like an exchange for like Chicago mm-hmm. um, got a, got like what had been Orlando's spot. I think um, Utah Chicago for number eight for sixty thousand, um, and then Chicago to Sky Blue and part of that kind of crazy trade for seventy thousand. So, you know, certainly not the largest amount that that was traded overall. Yeah, yeah, not. Which, in a way, it's kind of cool to see money come into play. Um, And hopefully as the league grows, um, revenues grow, and sponsors come across. So, yeah, that's that's my thought on that. But, um, so Utah had the number eighth pick. And so just, let's do just a quick recap of, just how we got here, like we said, Utah acquired the number eight pick, trading with the Chicago Red Stars for some allocation money. The number one overall pick went to Portland, and that was for that was Sophia Smith. And the Thorns also had to make some trades. And, you know, at the beginning of the draft, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, the draft list was set, and then as it got closer, so... Picks started trading, positions started changing, and even up to today, there was a whole bunch of trades, and I lost track, honestly, because I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah, there were um, a crazy amount of trades. It felt like yeah. before every pick in the first round, there were several trades that got announced. I know. Um, so Portland ended up with the number one and two pick. Lucky them. Um, so Sophia Smith... Right out of Stanford. She's only 19 years old. Yeah, first teenager that's ever been drafted. Um, wow. Just kind of crazy. you think at some point someone would have picked up a teenager. But, um, yeah, exciting for her. And uh, she seems like a pretty incredible player. She does. She does indeed. Um, so, yeah. And then number two was Morgan Weaver from Washington State University. And then Orlando Pride, I believe, who picked Taylor Korniak from the University of Colorado. And then Ashley Sanchez went to Washington Spirit. And actually, there was a trade with all of that. So Mallory Pugh, in that process, was traded to Sky Blue FC. Yep. So it, it, it will be uh, kind of fun to see um, Pugh there. Um I'm curious, like, how she fits in. Um, hmm. I mean, that team has just been kind of erratic. It feels like they've improved a lot, which is great. Um, but you have to wonder how she feels about that trade overall. Hmm. You know, kind of makes me think about when Press was being traded from uh, Chicago to Houston and instead elected to go to Europe. Um, yeah. But hopefully it's a good fit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Hopefully. It seems like Sky Blue is rebuilding, and they may... Wasn't it you who joked that Sky Blue was going to win the NWSL championship? Oh, I think so. (laughs) 
and I stand by that. Yeah, I don't, I think when I kept hearing all these moves Sky Blue is making, I was like, wow, what if Lucas is right? Yeah, I mean, you heard it here first. Mm-hmm. Only on the URFC show. <laughs> um, cool. And then so Allie Watt went to the North Carolina Courage. Ev- oh, I don't even know. Evelyn Vient went to Sky Blue FC. And then Orlando Pride with its seventh pick, picked Courtney Peterson, which um, I actually saw as a name pop-up for a potential for Utah Royals FC. I believe that's an outside back from Virginia, if my memory serves me correctly. And so eighth pick, which was kind of exciting, um, her name, so Utah pick number eight, eight, her name is Ciara King. She's an attack-minded midfielder out of North Carolina State with 48 goals and 19 assists in 88 games. Yeah, those are really good stats. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was looking at Top Drawer Soccer, which is an excellent uh, website that covers youth soccer. Um, and they had a like a draft pick, and they actually predicted that we would pick her up in the um, for our first pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they speak really high, highly of her. She's... Um, I mean, she said after she got picked when they're interviewing her, she's a midfielder, but she um, like likes to play as a forward. That's her preferred preferred position, um, and her stats definitely back that up. Um, a lot of goals and a lot of assists as well. Like that is an exciting, um, exciting addition to the team for sure. Yeah, she's. I like her as. I, I did too see that um, there was a mock draft that had her drafted, um, and so I immediately like looked her up, and I was like, "Wow, this would be a if this mock draft is actually right, this is a really good pick for Utah Royals FC. It's like, it's really what could be missing, um, and so, and she, I mean, just like watching her get interviewed, she's excited, she's super stoked, you know, she has like spunk and and she looks fun and um i think somebody mentioned was like can you imagine the locker room with her and desi desiree scott and gunny yeah Um, (laughs) um, yeah i mean out of you could see her personality and display like from the moment she took the stage um mm -hmm. like she was just really warm in front of the mic um especially after hearing a bunch of you know felt like nervous college kids um get up and talk and you know do their best but she just seemed super comfortable um and just yeah very warm personality um yeah and i i read somewhere i didn't i didn't see this but that she was being interviewed and like a kanye song came on and she like stopped Mm. to like (laughs) listen and kind of got into it and then like resumed the interview and Uh, i think that kind of personality is is gonna be a great locker room presence and a good addition to the team for sure she's and she thanked like the groundskeepers and um you know just she seems like a really i mean not only do her stats speak to what kind of player she is but just as a human being and her personality um she's definitely um she was like yeah a very warm person and kind and you know you you were you just want people like that to do well so um and anthony de chico tony de chico's son um tweeted uh uh I, I really struggle with the name zahara 
uh, King using her time at the podium to thank groundskeepers, equipment managers, and sports psychologists. It says a lot about who she is as a person. Royals got a good one. And that's like mm-hmm. that's really nice to hear and really nice to yeah. see. Yeah. Everything I've read about her has been nothing but positive. So, you know, good job to um, everyone who, you know, picked her up. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. who all, who makes the final call or decision. I'm sure it's a very team effort, but yeah, um, yeah excellent, excellent pick. Um, and it will just be great. I mean, if she does become a starter, just what a great addition, you know, that she's going to impact that midfield a lot and help Vero and Press and Rodriguez. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it will be uh, fascinating to see how she fits into the team. Um, I'm not going to assume she's going to come and be a starter, but um, like if she's someone who can replace either A-Rod, Vero, or Press, um, and, and how she she adapts to, you know, that next higher level of, of play. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So, yeah. So, number eight pick. Good one, we think. Um, we like it. So, four picks later, Utah, again, would have an opportunity to select early with the number 12th pick overall. Utah chose Kate Delfava from Illinois State University choosing to go again with another midfielder. Uh, So, yeah. And I did – I think I heard that she has the ability to play um, outside back as well. Yeah. um, I heard that in the broadcast too. And um, so she – and I really, really appreciated this. She has an excellent highlight video um, on her YouTube page. Which is also her only video, <laughs> um, but it did a really good job of breaking down like her goals, her assists, her um, playmaking, her foot skills, like all these different things. Um, so on that, you know, it's obviously really attack minded. Those are sort of the flashy moments. Um, uh, but she seemed, you know, like definitely either a midfielder or a forward. Um, mm how she played and she did a really um did she does a lot of smart little like moves that open up space and like can get around the keeper um she's really good at finishing she it seems like she has good vision um you know there's not a lot of obviously not a lot of picks between 8th and 12th but it is really fun to see Utah Royals pick up two um two solid midfielders that like contribute to the attack which feels like where the team has been kind of weak Mm -hmm. yeah so that tells you something when you pick attackers um actually it it seemed like picks one through up until utah i think that i remember were mainly like attack attacking players so um there was a lot of goals oh go ahead took a long time to get to a defender yeah, yeah. And there wasn't really a lot of goals. Like, if you think about it, like, I mean, Utah, like, had a string of 1-0 games for, like, a month. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I mean, you said it last week of, like, that would be your preferred um, position as, like, a speedy attacker. 
Mm-hmm. Um, at least I think that's what you said. And I feel like both these um, these first two picks do kind of fit that bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, two. I mean, just looking at their stats and what they've done in their college careers, it's their goal scorers, and that's what Utah needs is people who can score goals or – at least help in the production of those goals because it has been a struggle the past two seasons and um, it's not something that Utah has been able to figure out the past two years. So, yeah. So, yeah, Dofalba, um, she scored 25 goals over her four seasons at Iowa, I'm sorry, not Iowa State, ISU, um, and was named Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year in 2019. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. So then after that, Utah didn't have a single pick in the third round, but they did towards the end of the fourth round, and they opted to go with another attacking player. Yep. And maybe you can do better at pronouncing this because I'm like, uh. Well, I think it's Sierra... Um Henson? Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. Um, yeah, she's out of the University of Texas. Um, uh, I saw that Abby Smith like tweeted about her getting picked mm-hmm. up, which is exciting. Um, but yeah, she was a forward there. Um, I couldn't find a lot in line of her playing without diving into whole games, but I saw one goal. Um, it, was, it was certainly a good finish, but you know, don't really have a sense of her style of play. Um and if she'll come in and have, like, an immediate impact or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is it is fascinating to see all three picks, you know, a forward, two attacking midfielders slash forwards. Um, feels like a shift in how, you know, kind of the philosophy of, of how the Royals are drafting. Yeah. So um, with this one, Apparently, she had, like, an, a great uh, hint since she had a great junior year. So, that would have been 2018. Um, she, like, scored 10 goals in the season and then was the first Longhorns player to earn Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year honors. And then her, like, production kind of dropped off in 2019. So, that's why some felt that perhaps this was kind of, like, you know, someone who could have remained undrafted just because she didn't have like a very great senior season. Um, not a not a bad pick at all, but um, you know, to go from like an outstanding junior season to kind of drop off the radar a little bit. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that could that could have just been a down season for her, and then. Royals have a really good pick that just needed some, you know, some development and some time, and uh, she's going to win us the uh, World 2020 Championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Henson with the uh, game-winning goal in the 2020 World Championship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although that would kill my Sky Blue prediction, which I feel really <laughs> wrong about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so obviously we saw a theme: three forward, three attacking players, three goal scorers. Um, like we like I mentioned earlier, that's something that Utah was really lacking. Their attack is dull and uninspiring, and so 
you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know it's true. Not always. There were, okay. there were exciting games. That's it's true. weird because something fell off because mm-hmm. there is Amy Rodriguez, who mm-hmm. is legend, excellent attacker. Kristen Press, who is one of the most exciting attackers in the world right now, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, <laughs> and then you have like Vero, um, and it feels like those three should have made more happen. Mm-hmm. It never quite came off. Um, and so maybe there's a missing piece that just needs to help link things up, or maybe maybe you bring in one or two of these, um, these midfielders who um, have a knack for goal, and they can um, really help free up you know, the star strikers to kind of be at their best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, overall, how do you feel about these three? No, I, I, they're solid. They're, you know, last year, the past couple of years, you're like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. I, But this year, there was a lot more emphasis on Utah. Really just, you, I mean, let's face it. I mean, we have amazing, Utah's amazing international players, world-class players, you know, World Cup winning players. They're they're great, but they're not going to play forever. I mean, um, eventually Utah needed to get away from that uh, identity or, you know, like mindset that um, your veteran players, your international players who are in their early 30s or you know they're not going to play forever you eventually have to start developing if you want to remain competitive in a league that is going to get younger because there is the focus on the draft there's you know so you want to build those young players if you look at a North Carolina Courage a lot of those players that are now with the national team they were unknowns they were young players nobody knew who they were and they developed in the league, and that's really what you want to see. It's great to get the established players. It's great to get that experience. And that was a lot of Laura Harvey's mindset and philosophy. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But in the end, that's on a long term. I mean, it's great short term, but long term, you're not really building your team up for long term success. Um, so I, I really thought that, um, you know, I would give him like an A minus for for this draft. I mean, yeah, they did really well. I'm I'm very. I thought Scott and Stephanie Lee they they did their homework. They knew exactly what the team needed. Um, instead of giving picks away, they make sure they got picks and gave what needed to be given up so they could build towards the future and think about the long term and and the future of this team. So. I, I thought it was I thought they were very solid three picks this year. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Um, I think you're right. And Laura Harvey had certain strengths, and she knew who was good and knew how to make you know a team run well. Um, but it feels like that is like that almost to me feels like Pep Guardiola ish of if you <laughs> like you can if you can get the best players in the world, you can be like an unstoppable force. Um, 
and that's never going to be the RSL organization model. Um, mm. Drafting well feels a lot more um, what they're about because those are kind of free assets. Um, so you get the most out of your draft, and that way you're not having to drop a huge, um, huge amount of money to bring in special players. So, yeah, I think this is fantastic. Um, I feel really excited, especially about the first two picks. Um, it was really fun to watch um, uh, Kate's video. Like, there was a lot. Like, I tweeted out. If you haven't watched it, go find it because it's, it's really fun. Um, I think King is going to be excellent. Um, uh, hence, I feel like we're just going to have to wait. Um, or Henson, excuse me wait and see um but it is it is interesting the first draft without laura harvey it feels like there's a shift and maybe maybe we're reading too much into that um but it felt like really smart business overall and i, I think too with um you know the two players that came over or coming over from sweden and um leech and um uh, Strother, um, these players feel a little bit more exciting, and maybe that's because, you know, forwards and attackers are, are always a little bit more glamorous. Um, but it seems like good additions for the team. Yeah, it was it was really good. I'm, I'm very, I think, very just, like, excited now. Like, at first I was like, what's going on this season? And a part of me was like, oh, wait. It's gonna be okay. I think I think there is a game plan that mm -hmm. it's gonna be fine. Yeah. So good job, everybody. Everybody who drafted and did their homework. Um so in other Utah Royals FC news, um Lucas, did you actually hear this or how did you hear about this Deloy Hansen talking about February 6th as the deadline for a new head coach? Yeah, so um, he said the goal is to have a new head coach hired by February 6th. It, was an, it wasn't even an interview in ESPN 700, which is like our local ESPN station, uh, radio station, which Hansen actually owns. Um, he was in the building and like walked into a radio show. Uh, <laughs> And like started chatting, um, and it was a it was a little bit it was a kind of a strange uh, interview, but it's on the ESPN seven hundred website. Um, but he said, um, "Yeah, the goal is to have a new head coach hired by February 6th. Um, that's also the day the new RSL kits are supposed to drop. I could be wrong about that. Um, mm. But he, what was most interesting to me in that was not only the date, which to me feels pretty soon, that's just a few mm -hmm. weeks out, but yeah. also he said they had four candidates to interview um, over the next week. And he yeah. said those, you know, those are very specific numbers. Um, so it looks like, you know, Parkinson isn't the only person they're considering. And mm. I think it'd be great if he got the job, but it's also, I think it's smart to talk to as many people as you can and you know, get a sense of what's out there. Right, and that's um, so yeah. So they've they've conducted interviews already. Um, former U.S. Women's National Team defender and Utah Royals reserves um, head coach Amy Lapelvid is not a candidate. Um, the club doesn't really feel like she's ready for that role, so um, they're not even considering her 
Um, that was a yeah. That was a little bit of a surprise to hear. I mean, yeah, she certainly has some experience. You know, she's an assistant with the Royals now, but also led the reserves to a really successful season. They made the final, um, and that's you know that's a good that's a really successful season for that league and um she she has a lot of experience in the international stage um uh alex um uh, behar interviewed her for a salt lake tribune article um it's not her sorry um stephanie lee and they did talk about amy and they said a lot of really great things and they appreciate her and they want her to develop but i think to your point they kind of think she's not quite ready for that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's fine. You know, I think uh, Parkinson, if, if they're going internal, certainly has more experience having been a college head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I am, she is someone I hope stays in the system and develops and someday is ready for that job. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I was a little surprised too and kind of like, ah, oh, really? But, you know. They, they're the ones who know what's going on. And I think a part of us has this partial, <laughs> um, you know, thinking because we know her and we want her to do well. And, you know, so, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, so obviously Scott Parkinson was at the draft and he's an interim head coach right now. So it's, um, but, you know, he was a huge part of the draft today. So, you know, I, I considering everything that we saw today from a draft perspective, um, what do you, what do you think his chances are, Lucas, for, you know, the head coaching position? I, th- I would have to think pretty good. Um, I, I, I don't know how much it, is really in his hands at this point. Like he's known by the organization. Um, he is someone the players seem to like. He has some good experience, um, but it it really I think depends on who else they're talking to and mm-hmm. how those conversations go. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, like if if they bring in someone who, you know, like I can't remember his name, but the new. Um, the new rain coach. Oh yeah. That you know might have a good resume, but um, has said some pretty crappy things, um, mm. borderline like emotionally abusive or mm. degrading to his um, female female players. Like that's gonna feel like a huge disappointment. Um, and this is you know not mm. all the coaching hires within the organization in the past have been great in my opinion mm-hmm. um so i feel a little bit nervous mm. whereas you know scott to me seems like a really mm-hmm. uh good guy and like he knows his stuff and um seems to have a really good rapport with the players from what i've seen from the outside mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah i don't know what's your take on that yeah i was i was i mean last year we did we like we endorsed basically Scott Parkinson for for various reasons. You know he's been with the club, players know him. He's well liked. He's very involved, and I think even just today with 
his input with the draft and um, was excellent, I think. And that really just shows that he's a coach who um, does his homework. Not that Harvey didn't, you know, I Harvey's style is completely different, but I think Parkinson understands the younger players. He used to coach at in Oklahoma, so um, at, at a college. So I think he, he is very knowledgeable, um, and not only from the collegiate perspective, but also now the professional side of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's cool that Utah is looking into other potential coaches, but yeah, I I don't think I don't know if I would be very excited if they hire you know like the rain or the talks of how that's happening and you're like, yeah, you may have like a great resume, but as a human being, you're you kind of need to work on that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and we've seen it with Washington Spirit. They also hired a coach who has a very questionable past. Um, and that's not really you know you may. That's not the kind of coaching that you, coach that you want, um, not only to represent your organization, but you know, I just yeah. I yeah. mean, Casey, my wife, you know, played at a D one school in college. She played. She had a full ride scholarship. Mm-hmm. Played two years, broke her foot in her second year, and could have like come back and kept playing, but her college coach was so awful and like. Mm pretty mean that she didn't really want to like she decided to leave and um mm. finish up her her education here in salt lake um mm. and the impact a coach can have is massive and it sure. really yeah it really sucks when you see coaches um mm-hmm. yeah that are just jerks to put it mildly or much worse <laughs> um to their players like that's just absolutely unacceptable but yeah we, yeah, I mean, that seems to be the case with the rain. There, there's nothing to suggest that's going to happen in Utah, but it is a little worry, worrisome when you see that with two of the nine coaches in the league. Mm, yeah, yeah, which is kind of unfortunate because, yeah. So you want a coach with a good, good reputation, you know, um, not yeah, not somebody who's you're going to be always wondering about and thinking about. I mean, obviously people make mistakes. Humanity is broken and everyone stinks sometimes, but um, you still want to coach with a good reputation. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still pulling for Scott Parkinson, and I hope Utah makes the right decision and they listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so not really much with, we saw obviously today what happened in the NWSL, um, there were trades, Mallory Pugh is now, I think that was the major one, was Pugh was traded to Sky Blue FC, we talked about that a little bit in the beginning, and I believe Rachel Hill, who used to play for Orlando Pride, who, um, also was traded to another team, I can't remember who that was though, my phone just froze, so... Uh, uh, my phone froze. Okay, here we go. Uh, Rachel Hill went down the hill <laughs> to <laughs> JK. Oh, Chicago Red Stars. So Rachel Hill, who's like a forward at Orlando Pride, is now with the Chicago Red Stars. So, um, And there were just so many trades for like 
picks and allocation money. I've lost track. Y'all can Google that if you're really interested. But um, those, I think, were the major things that happened. And yeah. then there was actually talk about allocation money, which we found out a little bit more about, which I was a little surprised. Yeah. So apparently with the allocation money is it's not just money that goes towards player salaries. Um, you can, I mean, if you get money, if you trade for allocation money, you can use it towards club expenses, you know, whatever that may be for your club. So I don't know how I feel about that. I think it's, I'm like, well, you could use that money to pay players more. Yeah, this allocation money feels like it should be used for player salaries. It seems like the purpose of it is to try to remain competitive with Europe because that is, I think, the edge um, that Europe has over the NWSL right now is you have all these teams that are attached to really successful um, and profitable men's clubs that can pay, you know, buckets of cash for your, you know, for for Samantha Kerr or whoever. Um, And so something like allocation money is, I think each team gets $300,000 in allocation money Mm -hmm. a season, um, should help level that playing field a little bit so they can um, bring in a player who is not um, allocated by either uh, the U.S. or Canada um, Mm -hmm. and pay them above like the league maximum. And I think that's a really important trigger. I know people don't like uh, the complexity of salary cap rules and all that, especially MLS side where it is too complex and kind of a nightmare Um, Mm -hmm. but it's weird that you can spend it on things that aren't players like that to me feels like it solves the problem of Sky Blue two years ago where they you know had porta potties and Mm. wash their own training gear and all this crazy stuff Um, but it doesn't doesn't feel like it solves a huge need right now like it, it seems like if your team can't um cover those like basic team expenses and are in need of that three hundred thousand dollars maybe they shouldn't be a professional team exactly yeah it just seems weird to me that that's been brought to light because we heard about it first after the fall and so there was a lot of excitement for it because you're thinking, oh, like you're actually going to invest in these players and actually make them feel like professionals and pay them the money they deserve. And then today we come to find out that's like, no, I, it's, we could use this money for, you know, stadium cost or, or which I get are. Or know, a team but, pizza party. <laughs> well, in that case. <laughs> Those post practice orange slices don't pay for themselves. Mm-mm. That Gatorade's expensive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's a, it's a little kind of a downer. You're like, oh, well, that stinks. But, yeah, I mean, maybe teams won't use it that way. Um, That's true. You saw Dula Hansen, for instance, spend money on, um, you know, player lodging, and mm. he got – he got some really good partnerships, I think with like a local Ford dealership or something mm-hmm. where <laughs> if you ever go to the rails practice, it's super funny because it's just like 
this parade <laughs> where like these little Ford SUVs roll up all at the same time. Um, I do remember. Yep, I remember yeah. that. It's like one or two players. Like Stangle had like a big Jeep or something, <laughs> and like I think Becky Sauerbrunn has like a BMW, and ev- pretty much everyone else is like these little Ford SUVs that they don't have to pay for and are kind of like shared key commodities of like mm-hmm. um you know mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. basically help subsidize the low um the low salaries in the league and i think that's mm-hmm. awesome and so hopefully someone like boy hansen sees this money not as a way to um like cut in costs for team expenses but as a way to bring in um some big big players or you know now that Amy Rodriguez isn't allocated um, and hasn't been for over a year now, um, does she deserve more than the maximum salary? If so, that allocation money can go towards her salary. Right. Yeah, that's true. Those are fair points. I feel like so, this is my this is my mantra for almost everything <laughs> to a fault, but it's like, well, I'll wait and see. <laughs> it's true. Eh, we'll find out. Like, this um, is the player. Ah, we'll wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> wait and see. Yeah. So, who knows? Obviously, the owners introduced it and approved it. So, we'll just have to trust them, I guess. And in the end, I guess it's their money. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. Interesting. Cool. All right. So, with that. We can move on to some listener questions. Um, Stockton asks, what grade do we give the picks? Um, I think I did an overall, if I remember. So Yeah, you said A-. minus. A-, minus. yeah. I, I would say, I mean, we have to wait and see, but <laughs> it feels like an A to me. Like, I think I'll give, like, just a straight A, uh, 95%. Oh. If, it feels like. Yeah, it feels like they feel like good picks overall. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Sayan wants details about the new signing. Oh, man, I wish I had it because she seems super fun, and I can't wait to chat with her should that opportunity happen. Right, right. Um, we should do so, that. We should try to see who wants to chat with us. We're popular. Yeah, I mean, um, we do have a couple of interviews in the works, hopefully one recording on Monday, so tease you for that, but be excited. Stay excited. Um, Lisa asks, I know many fans felt the team was too stagnant in their approach to this op- to the off se- to the offseason. Should our faith be a bit restored? Um, Absolutely, yes. Yes. I mean, yes. to a degree. Um, yeah. I think I think it shows a shift in mentality and part of it might be I feel like we're bashing on Laura Harvey and I absolutely don't mean to like she is an incredible coach she's a great person mm-hmm. um, but you know in Seattle uh, she had been both the coach and the GM now that she's gone maybe Stephanie feels a little bit more freedom to make some decisions and you know now that scott's interim maybe he feels some more freedom to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um you know put emphasis on the draft like we kind of don't know the inner workings but we know um kind of the the end product and that does feel 
um, like a better draft than we've ever seen from the team. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think a week ago I wasn't like too sure, but I think I think they're doing the homework. So um, should be should be good. So yes, faith restored. You know, it's okay if they want to get more players from Sweden. <laughs> yeah, we'll J- see. JK, please stop doing that. Um, well, we have to wait and see. I yeah, wait and see. That's I guess this is what the title of the show is now. Wait and see. All right. <laughs> um, Aaron asks, "How do you think URFC will integrate the new draft picks, and what about the younger players like Mimone, Mimoni, and Gabby?" More minutes or still rely on the more established players? Hmm. I think naturally you're going to go with your established players because they're ballers, first of all. But I think eventually, as the season goes on, and it is an Olympic year, so Becky will be gone, O'Hara will be gone, uh, Press will be gone. More likely, I believe... Will Corsi go with... Yeah, well, she'd be because it's a it's a UK team, not like yeah. Scotland, England. Right. Yeah, I don't know. So maybe Corsi, Scott for sure. Um, obviously, Matheson because she's going to be on the roster forever. Um, yeah, we still don't know her future. Yeah. Oh, I, think, I, don't I mean, think we'll and no, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait and see. <laughs> exactly. Wait and see. That's the spirit. Yeah, I think for Mamone and Vincent, um, they shouldn't, they honestly shouldn't displace anyone on that starting back line, given mm-hmm. healthy ankles. Um, mm. But they, I think Mamone still has a good shot to be, you know, kind of a, well, mm. now I'm thinking like if Morris was healthy, um, mm. Bowen, O'Hara, Weber, yeah, it might be a little rougher for her. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see, but I don't know if the new signings, um, either draft picks or uh, Swedish signings, will displace her, but one of them is um, one of the Swedes, not actually Swedish. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Taylor Leach is a center back. Um, So... That might mean fewer minutes for Vincent. You know, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, <laughs> but comp- competition at, at those positions is a really good thing. Um, I know we all have our favorite players, but it's better to have those players pushing each other and, you know, um, fight for minutes. And then you also have the, the chance to cover injury better. Injuries better than. If you just have like one key person and then they're injured and then your team is kind of screwed. Yeah, for sure. Which is what kind of what we saw last year a little bit, where you know you it just felt like there were just or maybe it was two years ago. I don't know what I'm talking about. Ignore me. Um, I do think King will be a starter because I think um, the oh. spot that Stengo used to hold that's gonna be King's spot. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. I'm okay with that. Mm. Yeah. King is just... gonna... What? I said King's gonna be on fire. Finally have a king on the Royals. 
<laughs> ah, that's so clever. I think they maybe uh, tweeted something along those lines earlier today. Probably. So I'm, I'm plagiarizing. <gasps> Shame. <laughs> just kidding. But I just said it in my uh, Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Spurs Bay. What asks, up? Ooh, ass. Is O'Hara worth it? It seems like she's injured way more than not, but seems to make her U.S. appearances with no problem. Would we benefit with trading her and bringing in a more reliable, high-caliber player? Also, I want to add that I have nothing against her. She's actually one of my favorite players. But if she never plays, then it doesn't really benefit us, other than she might be a good locker room presence. So, presence, I'm sorry. <laughs> I actually That's... forgot how to spell that's the problem with um, O'Hara's. She's so good, and she's so often injured. At least the last two years. Um, I mean, she's mm-hmm. I, she's the best at that position, like hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it is unfortunate, and I think it, part of it is just bad optics. Of she played part of two games for the Royals and then was kind of ready to go for France, played a couple games, played in a friendly, played mm. played in a couple games for the Royals again, and then um, got injured in a U.S. friendly and then has just been out since. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't look good. I, I, I don't think it's like an intentional thing. I feel like that, you know, it sounds like the question kind of implies but seems to make her use appearances with no problem. I think it's maybe some prioritization, but it's also probably a little bit coincidental that mm-hmm. she was kind of able to get healthy for the World Cup and then got injured after um, in, a, in just a meaningless friend's, like celebration friendly. Like, that's rough. Um, right. But I think we, we definitely give her another season. Like, there's no way she's not coming back next season. Right, right. Yeah, and with potentially to uh, ex- expansion teams, you know. Y- you can only protect two players. Um, Utah is obviously going to pick, obviously, right. not obviously, but I have a hunch that they'll protect Sauerbrunn and Press because, you know, those are the ones who have given a lot more to the team. And, again, it's not O'Hara's fault that she's been injured. It's It stinks, and she's just as frustrated probably more um, because she is a competitor. She wants to play. So it's just one of those weird, unlucky things that have happened with O'Hara for her club team. Um, She was healthy. She came back healthy. And then U.S. soccer decided to have meaningless friendlies in the middle of the season. Um, And so, um, which O'Hara was actually not very happy about that she got injured during a victory tour game sidelining her for the rest of the season so yeah i i think she's worth it i i don't think you give up on o'hara just because a bad luck you know a, a record of bad luck injuries happen that's just what happens and yeah you know so i i think she, like lucas said she's one of the best players in the world in her position. So you want to keep her. And if she is healthy this year, she's going to be tremendous uh, for Utah Royals FC. So Utah does need Kelly O'Hara. I mean, I think we could do a whole podcast on 
I mean, and we probably will about this time next year. Um, but about who you protect, uh, but Sarah Brand is 34, whereas Press and O'Hare are both only 31. Um, mm. I just wish they wouldn't age and would always be at their peak playing mm. ability. Mm. Um, but I think it's worth, like, that's a factor. Even if it's not one that's that important, you know, if you have a 36-year-old um, Becky Sauerbrand, do you pe- protect her over a 32-year-old press or O'Hara? Mm. Hmm. That's a tough question. That's a tough choice. I do not want a mic. Yeah. You... All of a southern. All of a sudden, I went southern. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 So I'm sure. Sorry if we didn't get to all the questions. Um, but yeah, Lucas, that is all I have. Yeah. Any more thoughts? <laughs> Oh, so many, but, um, you know, just again, that we've got some, I think, exciting uh, interview shows coming up, hopefully in the next few weeks here. Um, so we'll probably send out um, a tweet for listener questions. Love the listener questions. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, please, please let us know, and we're happy to answer them. For sure. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in those questions. It's really cool to see some familiar names out there and new ones but yeah thanks for listening and yeah stay tuned for more coming episodes and as yeah it's exciting because there are some exciting episodes coming yeah what a a teaser (laughs) just so you know just so you know um anyway thanks for listening have a good day you're awesome